Hello, horror fans. Anchor Pete here, and I am not in this episode of the Lassercast. I know, it's depressing, right? I had to sit this one out and be with my family, but Chris and Danny did a fantastic job talking about episodes four through six of The Haunting of Bly Manor. If you want to see Chris and Danny's handsome faces, then head on over to YouTube, type in three words, The Lassercast, and you will see this video along with a ton of other Mike Flanagan-related content and all the horror stuff you could possibly ever want. So sit back and relax and journey with Chris and Danny back to Bly Manor. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Lassercast. This is the second part of a three-part discussion on Netflix's The Haunting of Bly Manor. I'm here with Danny Torkel, a.k.a. Dr. Zayas G.O.D. Pete's not here. We're going to do our best. Our master of ceremonies, our fearless leader, is not here. So together, we will get through this. Uh, I'm Chris D'Onofrio, future boy Chris, on various platforms. So we are discussing episodes four through six of The Haunting of Blind Manor today. And uh, how you doing, Danny? You ready to jump into this? Yeah. Um, check out our uh, episode one through three uh, review. It's up on our channel now. Uh, we gave uh, an intro to all these characters already. So now we're going to jump right in with episode four. Uh, and we're going to find out who Glowy Eyes is, as I referred to him in my notes for episode yeah. one. Um First of all, uh, this series, I, I know you've completed a second rewatch. Uh, I'm up, I, I just rewatched up to episode seven. It is definitely, uh, it gets better the more you rewatch it, as with most Flanagan stuff, just because you start to notice more and more uh, stuff, especially, of course, hidden ghosts and, and you, all, all the things that you're trained to look for with Flanagan yeah, work. Yeah. Um, so episode four, The Way It Came, is uh, written by Laurie Penny and directed by Liam Gavin, who directed A Dark Song. You said you saw that, right? I didn't see I that. have seen The Dark Song. It's one of those, uh, uh, Liam Gavin's a terrific director. A Dark Song is an excellent film. Uh, depending upon the type of horror fan you are, it's not something that has a lot of rewatchability. It's incredibly dour. You know, it's not like throwing on a Nightmare on Elm Street or, uh, you know, John Carpenter's The Fog, something you could rewatch it over and over yeah. again. But uh, he's a talented director, to say the least. And seeing what he's done with episode four and you will see in episode five uh, is uh, you, you could see why Flanagan got him on board. He saw the well, talent there. Yeah. I mean, you bring up uh, the, a horror movie that deals with grief. Uh, th this episode, episode four, is literally nothing but. Uh, grief. It takes place right after Owen's mom passed away at the end of episode three. So um, there, some of the characters are going to the funeral. Some of them are staying behind. And then uh, there's this fantastic bonfire scene at the end of this episode with the adults at the manor dealing with uh, Owen specifically dealing with his mother's death. And they're all kind of tributing people in their lives that they've lost. And of course, the other narrative thread of this episode is we get to see the flashback of Danny and uh, played by Victoria Pedretti and we get to find out who the ghost that's haunting her is and it's her ex-fiance Edmund uh, played by Robbie Attal I believe his name is 
uh, a lot of this. This was the first episode in Haunting of Bly Manor that made me cry. Uh, Haunting of Hill House did it a couple times. This one got me to cry twice. Uh, both times I watched it, same scene both times. Uh, yeah, it's th this is probably the most uh, grounded episode in terms of the the raw emotion that uh, you get from a, a Mike Flanagan led series. Yeah, absolutely. And this this was the the way episode three ended. You know, um, Owen's mother passes and. Uh, Jamie and Danny connect and you, you know, we find out at that point, we, now we know Danny's gay. So episode four starts. So now you go into episode four, knowing that, and you see this uh, relationship and childhood friendship develop. And now you're going, knowing all along that Danny's gay. So you pick up little things here and there, you know what it's eventually leading to. You see their happiness growing. Uh, you know, them childhood friends hanging out in the bedroom and then, um, uh, you know, going into their engagement party and getting married. And uh, it's just, you know, where they, they don't, there's not a lot of emphasis on, on where they grew up, but just the time period, uh, being that it's so fre fresh in our minds, knowing uh, Danny's preference, the mother, and this jumped out at me the first time and even more so with the second watch, the uh, mother, uh, Edmund's mother makes a very uh, subtle uh, gay joke about one of her sons. Like, oh, yeah. well, I can never lie about, about the wedding dress. Oh, I can never give this dress to one of my sons. And she says, oh, maybe Carl or something like, something to that she, effect. She said she wanted a daughter, but, you know, to give the wedding dress to, maybe I'll give it to my son. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. brought up the, the time period. Of course, uh, you know, Bly Manor, the story is taking place in 1987, uh, which means this is happening even earlier in the 80s. And the 80s was uh, obviously the middle of the, the AIDS epidemic. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of, especially in the United States, a lot of anti-gay feeling. So you can totally understand that when Danny has these feelings, uh, which we start to see for the first time really uh, in the past, uh, not with Jamie, but in yeah. the past where she's getting her wedding dress fitted and the, the, the woman who's fitting her, she, there's an attraction there. Uh, you, can, you can tell that there's a fear in Danny about what she's feeling. And uh, that comes out with her relationship with Jamie. And it, it's just, it's so nice, her relationship with Jamie and how uh, it, it, it's just nice that like nobody bats an eye. They didn't, they didn't feel the need to throw in any kind of like homophobic subplot in anywhere. Yeah. There's that one reference that you made uh, about the joke. Uh, and it's funny because the, the only other show that I've really paid attention to, I've been on such a movie kit. The only other show I've paid any attention to, my wife and I just <laughs> finished season six of Shit's Creek on Netflix. Oh God, what, and, a, what a great show. Oh, and, talk about, talk about rewatchability. Oh my God. Uh, but that, and it, I maybe it was literally watching that and Blind Manor back to back. But I was like, "Wow, we've come a very long way as a society in the way we handle uh, like open gay relationships in, in popular media." Because neither one of these shows has even the slightest hint of homophobia or at all. And it's just like the couples is like Jamie and Danny in this show are 
as we will find out, the couple that really lasts in, in the well, show. You, you made a you made a very good point about there. Like, thank God there wasn't. You know, it was a a home. It was a very subtle uh, homophobia. Even if you want to call it that, it, you know, it, it, her making that joke is just letting the audience know that this is why Danny doesn't feel comfortable in her own skin. These little subtle jabs, they just, they just, you know, ball up into this thing that is just going to keep holding her back from being herself. And, you know, we see, we move from the flashback into uh, Danny in the house. And she sees, this is another thing I love about Danny's character. She sees Edmund's ghost or Edmund's vision. And then she sees um, uh, Peter Quint and man, she darts for the foyer grabs the poker, opens it up, and almost uh, takes out Owen. Uh, and, of course, Owen, Owen being Owen, he, uh, he takes it like a champ, uh, you know. Yeah, and, he has uh, a great line where she goes, I thought you were Peter Quint. And he goes, I'm much better looking than that bloke. And <laughs> like, right out of, right, he's, he's fantastic. Right off the bat, yeah. he's, uh, he's like, oh, I'm much better looking than that, you know. And they, uh, uh, and we also, we, we should mention, like, the the ghost of Edmund keeps popping up uh, every time Danny starts to get closer to Jamie. Like she makes the first move, and Jamie's like, "Are you sure?" And she's like, "Yes, I'm sure." And then almost immediately, Edmund's ghost is behind Jamie, and she yeah. pulls back. And it's like she's not like allowed to move forward. Um, and we find out uh, in the flashback that she finally breaks up the engagement at the last minute. And and this is a guy, by the way, who we're introduced to that they're best friends as children. And they grew up effectively together as best friends. They yeah. were probably each other's first loves. And now right before the wedding, she tells him, I can't marry you, I'm gay. And he is so angered by this. Not, not that, you know, not that she's gay, just angered at, as anybody would be if your it's significant upset. other was like, I know we're supposed to get married tomorrow, but eh, I'm not really sure anymore. Yeah. And he gets out of his car and gets plowed by a truck yeah, like it's final pretty, destination. Yeah, no, and, he gets, I'm pretty sure he gets hit by, a, I'm pretty sure it's a bread truck. I don't know why we have to be that specific, but it's worth pointing <laughs> out. Um, they also, the, the it it's that's a very good point about how this show, especially on rewatches, you will notice things very subtle, specific things in certain episodes leading up to it. I believe it's the end of episode three, and I'm not sure we talked about this in the last episode of the Lasser Cast, but when Danny, uh, Danny and Jamie have the moment, and she turns around, she sees Edmund, and he gets thrown back. Yeah, now that has no significance until you find out how Edmund died. You know, it's and, those little things that are that they refer to. Yeah. We were talking about this before, that this show, more than almost any other I could think of, pays off the, the, the more you pay attention. Uh, because there are going to be those little things throughout the show, uh, all the way through episode nine, that they'll happen and you'll be like, oh... They mentioned this very briefly in this happened on, on the first uh, episode that we got that we did with Pete, where Pete mentioned uh, the thing about the key, where Peter was telling uh, the, the boy, Miles, about, you know, everybody has a key. 
And Miles had mentioned that in episode two. I didn't even pick up on that until rewatching it after Pete had mentioned that. And there's things like that where, yeah, we have no idea why that ghost just flew backwards like that. We find out an episode later, it's because he died getting hit by a bus. And the last thing he saw in his glasses was the lights of this, you know, uh, bread truck coming at him. Uh, So you have those two narrative threads and then it ends with the bonfire. And this is where I completely lost it uh, with uh, Jamie tells, you know, the origin of bonfire being the bone fire and tell, you know, throwing things in to remember the dead. And then we get Rahul Kohli memorializing his mother and just an epic scene. I wrote down, uh, give the man an Emmy uh, (laughs) for that scene. Uh, And I also wrote, I can't imagine if you were, if you are somebody who has lived through having a relative have dementia, if you are somebody who has had a, a parent or any family member die slowly and I don't know how you watch this episode, you know, in one piece. Like I'm very fortunate in my own life that I've not had to go through that, but like my wife has, and like I've been there with her. And so it's, this was a really rough episode uh, in part, but, but at the same time, the the way these characters all love each other, uh, Hannah, uh, Owen, Jamie, and Danny, especially the four core adults at the house around that bonfire, it just, you kind of just want to group hug with them at the, at the yeah. end of that. It's, it's, and it's a, it's a credit to how tight the show is too. I'd imagine watching this on a network show or maybe something that's more inclined to have 12 or 13 episodes, we probably would have seen Owen's mother and we probably oh. would have experienced that. But, but his subtlety in acting and him telling us what's going on outside of Blind Matter, we don't need it. And we still feel all the sympathy in the world. And that speech by the fire, just like you, I said to myself, I'm like, well, this is his, this is going to be his Golden Globe clip. Yeah. Like that's going to be this moment when he's, because it would be a crime if it, half of this cast, it would be a crime if they weren't nominated. But uh, yeah. very quickly, oh. you mentioned, you mentioned Miles before. And I just want to touch on something. Miles uh, apparently enjoys, uh, likes to enjoy wine with dinner because he has an outburst. Right before they, uh, right before they um, yeah. have the campfire, and he wants wine with dinner. Something's definitely up. So Danny uh, sends him to his room, and we get not so much a hidden ghost, but we get a great moment in shots where uh, Danny and him are having a conversation about it. And in one shot on Danny, the door is closed, and then the next shot on Danny, it's slightly open. And then it's open a little more and they keep cutting back and the door is in different positions. And I'm like, God damn it. I love this show so much. But again, we go back to the conversation at the fire. They're talking to Jamie talks about burning old bones, getting rid of shadows. Uh, Hannah talks about Rebecca and uh, makes a very strong statement saying brilliant young women are always punished, which means so many different things, but it's obviously very specific to, um, you know, what we know uh, here about, uh, uh, so far about Miss Jessel and, and whatnot. And um, uh, Jamie, uh, uh, we get to Danny. Danny has nothing to say. Danny's not ready to, um, you know, she puts herself through enough pain 
regarding Edmund, and she's not really ready to divulge that uh, to anyone just yet. Yeah. Uh, you brought up the, the door. The, there's a great hidden ghost in this episode. Um, when uh, Danny runs to the door with the fire poker and is ready to just knock out Peter, and then she opens the door, and it's Owen. She's like, oh, my God, Owen, I'm so sorry. And in the background, there's a ghost in the far right corner. And then you cut back to Owen. And Hannah and the kids come running to the door. And you cut back, and the ghost is still there. Mm. And they're all they're all now in the room, and they're all talking. And they're like, oh, you came back? Why'd you come? And the ghost is still there. And you're like, again, it's like, that would be something and we talked about this a little bit in the last episode where usually they would show you that ghost and then it would disappear and it just stays there and it lingers and you're like and you start to question yourself like is am i seeing what i'm seeing should i be seeing this yeah. and it's just the flanagan works make you pay attention and i think that might be why some people criticize uh and and complain about the lack of the scares or the big jump scare moments, because yeah. especially, you know, Pete brought it up on our last episode, the whole concept of streaming. Like I know you and I, we both streamed three, four, five episodes just this morning before talking. And, you know, when you're sitting on your couch and you have your phone and you have your family and you have everything going on, you might, you know, turn away and miss some stuff. Flanagan's yeah. work, demands attention and a lot of people you know if you're in the movie theater you're you're willing to pay that attention on your couch you may not be willing to focus as much um yeah. and it's funny because i was watching my wife was sitting next to me uh who you know athena was sitting next to me <laughs> and i was like oh my god do you see that and she was like what i don't and i pointed out the ghost and she was like oh that's a ghost i'm like yes she's not a huge horror fan. So she doesn't yeah. uh, know Flanagan's work. She hasn't watched uh, Hill House with, uh, with me yet. It's but, very much, it's very much the environment you're watching this in because the funny thing was watching this today in the morning, I had the windows open, I had the blinds up and I'm like, oh, is there a, was there a hidden ghost in that scene? Like sometimes you can't make them out during the day, but you brought up a great point when you made, when you said lingering ghosts because during the campfire scene, when everyone's talking about their their old uh, bones that they need to burn to get rid of the shadows. Uh, Danny is thinking about the funeral, Edmund's funeral. And I will be damned. Even, even it, it was always creepy. The, the glasses ghost was always creepy, this idea. But now with the sadness behind it, and she is just, she's standing there grieving with Edmund's mother. People are coming by. They're all very sad, obviously giving their condolences. And she has a mirror directly across from her. And Edmund's hand with the reflection of the headlights and just standing there, the hair standing up in my arms thinking about it. And they yeah. cut to this. And it's he is there the whole scene with his hand on her shoulder. And she's doing her best. And at one point she has to stop, run over, grab a coat and throw it over the mirror. And then she just starts sobbing into the mirror. It's uh, such yeah. a powerful scene. And then we cut to, uh, you know, I would, would you imagine is a few months later and she's home and she's getting ready to leave to go to England and Edmund's mother knocks on the door and you realize at that moment knowing what you know about Danny's mother never having ever really been a mother to her that she really does love Edmund's mother and it's breaking her heart even more 
because Edmund's mother has always been a mother to her. It's breaking yeah. her heart even more because Edmund's mother has no idea what caused this. And she know it would absolutely crush her. And it's crushing Danny on the inside. Yeah. Um, if episode four is basically Danny and Owen's episode, episode five is 100% uh, Hannah's episode. That yes, is, uh, we get, um, you know, that, that was my not so subtle segue into episode five. No, that, uh, no, it, it was it was it was a good segue. Listen, before we get there, I just want to say one thing: Flora's dollhouse is a Marauders map, and that's pretty awesome. That's a great, yeah, yeah. Flora, Flora wakes up at one point, looks over, and shit's moved around, and you're like, "Flora's dollhouse is a Marauders map." Like that's pretty. And you have her, this like little eight year old girl who says, "I have a particular system," and you're yeah. like. Uh, and, to, and uh, listen, uh, you, you, you mentioned it on episode one, the first episode we did of this, how I, I love this girl from the moment she opened her mouth, but I love her even more. The, uh, I yeah. was, I was, I was hanging out with my niece last night and I, you know, to hanging out with my, my beautiful, amazing niece. And then, uh, to go into six hours of flora this morning, uh, my insides are very gooey right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's. It, we didn't even talk about, and we'll we'll go to uh, episode four. Speaking of setting up things that will come, um, Flora has a hobby of grave rubbing at <laughs> the manor, and she rubs the grave of uh, Viola Floyd, uh, Lloyd, Viola Floyd, yes. yep. who you we will not know who that is until much later on in the season, but. Yes. That's just like a subtle hint that is dropped for the viewer who's paying attention. You know, it, you know, if if you're watching this and you know the next episode comes and you don't hear anything about Viola, you're like, oh, then it must not have made any. But it's a Mike Flanagan, you know, ensemble piece. Everything means something, and everything is going to come back in some way later on. Uh. Liam Gavin directs episode five. It's written by Angela Lomana, who I don't know uh, her work, but episode five was, I think this is the episode that most people that I'm seeing on social media are, are, are considering their favorite. Uh, I've seen at least two or three people say episode five and uh, really shouting out the work of Tanaya Miller who is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and this is where we start to see a lot of the dream hopping stuff going on. Uh, we always kind of thought something was up with Hannah for the first four episodes because she's always kind of aloof and never all there, even though she's the queen of the house, really. Yeah. And we find out uh, a little bit more. Also, before we get into this episode, uh, we were talking about this before. You have to follow Rahul Coley on Twitter because he has brought his pun game to Twitter. Yes, yes. Uh, and the, the, pun, the though, puns do the puns do not end with Owen. They continue on on uh, Raul Coley's social media. Definitely follow yeah. him. Even though he admits that he is not a big fan of puns and that most of the puns actually came from Mike Flanagan himself. Uh, he also said that if he heard the line in Paris, I was a sous chef, which means they only let me chop vegetables one more time, that he would kill somebody. And if you see this episode, you will understand why uh, yes. that line. Uh, there's also this amazing, he, he retweeted somebody who had 
uh, Wendy Torrance looking down at All Work and No Play Makes Jack a Dull Boy from The Shining, uh, which of course holds a lot of water to Flanagan fans. And next to it was uh, in Paris, I was a sous chef, which means they only let me chop vegetables, which you know shows that that's his uh, <laughs> that's his line uh, that just keeps repeating. But uh, yeah, we this episode goes into uh, a lot of Hannah's backstory, and we find out the truth about why Hannah keeps seeing this particular crack uh, wherever she is in the house. Uh, what do you think of this episode? Um, I, I can definitely see why it's people's favorites. I think it's a terrific episode. Again, like I mentioned before, I think this is a very tight series, uh, you know, nine being the perfect number. Um, and I do think it's a very good episode. And I was wondering if I was going to enjoy it more or less the second time around. And I feel pretty much the same about it. It's, it's purposely repetitive. Years ago, Danny and I went and saw a film in the theater. Uh, it was called the it was called Vantage Point. And uh, and we saw and, and someone yelled out during it, like we keep seeing the same thing over and over again. Why why are you showing us the same thing from different uh, vantage points point. of like view? They, they they didn't say vantage point, but they were thinking. I'm like that's what they mean. That's why it's called that. Oh. Um, people are exhausting. Is the point? So no, it's a very good episode. Uh, I could watch. Uh, Tanaya Miller and Raul Coley act the same scenes over and over again forever. They bring something new to it every time. And uh, this is the episode where we also meet the Wingraves for the first time. We meet Charlotte and Dominic uh, Wingrave and younger versions, a couple of years younger versions of um, Miles and Flora. And uh, of course, the wonderful Alex Esso plays Charlotte Wingrave. Alex played um, Wendy Torrance in Flanagan's Doctor Sleep. Uh, she's terrific in both. Another one who nails the British accent. Um, and we are really, we get a feel for these people and it's nice. And, and Charlotte right off the bat is very, tell she's, some would consider Hannah a member of the staff, the house staff. And she's very embracing. She's, she's very warm for Charlotte. And, um, how do you really, how do you feel about this casting, Danny? I'm sure you're uh, I, not Yeah, I love Alex Esso. Uh, I've been a fan of her since Starry Eyes, uh, which was a really brutal uh, horror movie that came out a few years ago. Uh, the filmmakers who did that, they did Pet Cemetery, right? The remake of Pet Cemetery. Yeah, you wouldn't know though. No, <laughs> uh, no. But um, they, uh, she also was in this movie that I actually reviewed for geeksadoom.com called Homewrecker that came out it's on VOD right now and that is uh it, it's a unique little revenge movie uh there's some Texas Chainsaw the loved one vibes in there uh it not at all what it looks what it seems uh but it's really good and she's excellent in it um yeah I love you also get to see in this episode not only is it Hannah centric with her bouncing around in it from these like time jumping scenes, but it's also, um, you also get to see a lot of her talking with uh, Rebecca in the past, a lot of her interactions with Peter and they are just so natural antagonists of each other, Hannah. So Peter is, we know that Peter has somehow scammed the Wingraves 
out of a lot of money. And, and he's very obviously trying to steal uh, our, like some of uh, Charlotte and Dominic's stuff that they have left behind that is of value. And Hannah being, uh, as we find out, basically Charlotte is so, as you pointed out, she's so open to her. It starts with, why don't you stay the night? Why go home? Uh, we find out Hannah was married, but that her husband uh, was obviously cheating on her. And she has this great scene where she breaks down outside and Charlotte is there to comfort her. But then at the end of every one of these scenes, it's there's this moment where Charlotte's like, well, this has already happened. And then we flash to she's back in the kitchen with Owen and she's interviewing Owen and Owen's like, we've done this scene already. Oh, and by the way, you should look out for miles. And there's a couple scenes where Owen screams right into the camera that go right through you. <laughs> uh, yes. And I wanted to just shout out uh, again, Benjamin Evans Ainsworth as miles. This kid is like maybe 10 or 11 years old. And he manages at one point to act as if he not only is acting as the character of Miles, he's acting as the character of Miles with the ghost of Peter inside of him. Yeah. And he does it seamlessly. And, and the moments are so creepy because Peter is a genuinely creepy character. And now you have this like little kid pulling off a creepy man performance and it's yeah. fantastic. Oh, man. And that's, and that's, and that's really, we, we, we know that that's absolutely what's going on at this point. In, yeah. in, the, in the last episode, the wine pretty much sealed the deal. You know, uh, demanding wine at dinner pretty much sealed the deal. But we, I mean, even before then we knew. But by this point, we're like, yes, Peter is definitely somehow inhabiting Miles whenever he wants. And um, I have to say, the, the Hannah story is really what keeps this episode interesting, though. Because the subplot, the background, is essentially a, uh, you know, is Rebecca and Peter, this good girl falls for the bad boy, you know, classic storyline. That's that's really what's going on. And, and it's, everybody's it's, trying to tell her. There's a great scene in the chapel where um, uh, Hannah says to her, you can't have it both ways. You can't tell me he's like nobody you've ever dated but you've dated guys like him before. You can't yeah. have it both ways. And like Rebecca is this smart, beautiful woman. I had to look up what a barrister is because in America, I thought she wanted to be a coffee maker at Starbucks. And it turns <laughs> out that she wants to be a lawyer in England. That's what barrister means in England. That's not, that's not what that is. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want to be a barista. Uh, I, I had to look that up. But yeah, like there's, so she's making, she. everybody's trying to, in the flashback, everybody's trying to warn Rebecca, especially Hannah. Um, and um, yeah, it's just, and eventually we find out what does happen to Hannah, uh, which is, I think, again, something we had suspected, but is confirmed for us in episode five. So we have, so at one point now we're back in the kitchen, Owen, uh, Hannah, uh, Peter is such a hold. On, which, by the way, I was telling I was telling my girlfriend Denise this before. I keep wanting to call him Peter Quill from Guardians of the Galaxy, but uh, so Peter has such a hold on Hannah that now they're in the kitchen. Owen's making a stew. He wants 
uh, Rebecca to taste it. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, Peter is such a hold on Rebecca that they're in the kitchen. Owen's like, yeah, taste the stew. And she's like, no, because she knows what happened last time. Uh, you know, you know I, you, do you know, as you said that, I didn't, I, that's something that I didn't catch. Even though I just watched it the second time, I didn't catch that little. And again, that's a nod back to the last uh, episode. Uh, or, yeah, two episodes yeah. ago. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's actually standing there despondent until Peter walks in the room and then she comes back to life. And what follows that is them in bed. Now, Hannah is inside a memory because Hannah keeps jumping around throughout this episode. And we basically get the old, I'm going to steal the money and we're going to run away to America. That's what Peter is telling Rebecca. Peter goes to the, and, and Peter leaves, then leaves the room. He goes uh, back to the wing of the house they're not supposed to be in to steal some of Mrs. Wingrave's old jewelry. And in that moment, uh, Hannah is actually talking to Rebecca and Rebecca says, I hate this memory. She's in this memory with Hannah. She's like, I hate this memory because this is where it all goes wrong. And she looks at Hannah like, what do you, you're, you're never usually here during this. So it then moves outside into the hallway and Peter is, the kids are outside just looking at what's going on because they're very familiar with this time of night and things that happen in the house at this time of night. And out of nowhere, boom, we get a Soaking wet ghost, the lady of Bly Lake, uh, which is what we know at this point, um, and uh, choke slams, not doesn't choke slam, but she choke grabs Peter and just starts- choke drags. Yeah, yeah, choke, choke drags Peter down this hallway. And uh, it's quite the sight. So uh, where, where, what did you- um... I mean, that, that, for those people who are craving the jump scare, that's it. That is, uh, you get the end of episode three where uh, Glowy Eyes Edmund Ghost flies back. You get a couple moments of uh, Owen screaming at the camera, warning Hannah about Miles, because Miles is, as we find out, going to be effectively possessed in a way by Peter. And then you get this freaking scare. And man, the first time that happens... And again, it's one of those things where you're waiting for it. You're, you're, you've, you've seen every time characters are in a hallway or there's open space. And uh, the cinematographer, the director of photography is Jacob, uh, Jacob Neist. And he works on almost all Flanagan's work. And it's just, he's so good at doing these tracking shots through these long... I mean, Flanagan loves working in expansive environments. This is a guy who took us to the Overlook in Dr. Sleep. Um, we went to, I mean, in Hush, it's, we, we track all through the house in, in Hush. Here, uh, we, we get this just amazing jump scare to end the episode. Oh, actually, the episode ends with, uh, oh, uh, we might have passed over, but it, it, Hannah is led down by uh, Miles with yeah. Now, now, and now we now we know for sure that it's been shown after after Peter's killed uh, by the Lady of the Lake. We know for sure now that he can inhabit Miles' body. So then we cut to Miles. Uh, you're saying like, uh, you know, Hannah, I'd like to have a conversation with you, and they go down to the well. Um, 
and uh, he uh, Peter essentially commits murder, like to, you know, fulfills the prophecy of him being the true bad guy. You yeah, know, Peter is now a villain. He's not just he's not just a, a, a prick boyfriend. He's he is the villain, and um, it, after that scene, uh, you know, he pulls pushes hand into the well, and after that scene, we cut back to the campfire scene again. And Owen says, we can't count on memories. They can, they fade anytime. And this is a different, slightly different version of it where Owen asks Hannah to uh, come to Paris with him. And she says, yes. And basically realizes in that moment that she's can only interact so much because that's when Jamie takes, uh, I'll, I'll call you later. One of his, another classic Owen pun. <laughs> and uh, and Owen basically leaves with uh, Jamie, and she's you know she's yelling for his name, and in that moment Hannah is reminding herself the year, the ages of the children to keep her memory going, and as she's saying it to herself, it just starts fading, and yeah. she can barely she's just saying the children's name, and that's where episode five ends. So episode six, The Jolly Corner, this is directed by Ben Howling and Yolanda Romke, who directed Cargo for Netflix, which is a Martin Freeman, uh, you know, post-epidemic, post-apocalyptic feel, something that uh, neither one of us uh, have the desire to watch right now after seven, eight months of COVID. And um, this is where we're exposed to the Henry Wingrave office doppelganger. uh, basically, uh, Henry Thomas just uh, chewing the scenery with a really uh, shitty version of uh, his character. And uh, how do we feel about the uh, of, uh, of uh, angry um, or a, a snarky Wingrave? I I mean, I loved that I wrote down that his evil grin is tremendous, and then his brother later in the episode says the the other the real you or the other you. It is just an evil bastard and he, he calls him the shit grinning fucking monster and I'm like oh I'll write that down too uh, so yeah um, it's it's this is another weird one um, where Henry has like an evil self that is m- almost mocking him as he goes along uh, but this this is a character who is going through a very strange situation. He, we find out that Henry and Charlotte are actually having an affair. Um, Dominic, so Dominic is his brother. Flora and Miles' father is his brother, and he is having an affair with Charlotte. We find this out when uh, Flora has a bit of a jump scare moment. She has, she wakes up. She sees what looks like a little boy in her room. And the little boy has no face. As very similar to the lady in the lake ghost, the ghost in the attic who just <laughs> moans. Yeah. Uh, the, the ghosts of Bly Manor seem to be losing their features as time goes on. And uh, she runs to her mother's room in a flashback. And she's like, Uncle Henry, what are you doing here? And he's putting his shirt on. And they have to kind of concoct the story, which I guess is easy when it's a young kid. But uh, yeah. so we then later on find out that uh, because of the timing of Flora's birth, that he is actually the biological father of Flora. 
and that Dominic, his brother, does not find this out until I believe it's her like sixth birthday party or fifth birthday party. And he finally does like the math in his head and goes, oh, she was early, but she was too early and she was too big to really be early. And that leads to a blow up of their of the, the Wingrave family. And it's actually, uh, we find out all of this stuff about Henry in this episode. Why does he have this horrible drinking problem? Well, he blames himself for his brother and uh, sister-in-law and his ex-lover's death because it's after this reveal that they decide to go for a, basically a second honeymoon. And we never actually find out how they die, but it's on this trip that uh, Henry and Char um Dominic and Charlotte pass away. And so he's left a drunken mess. And then we also get the reveal that the person pranking, prank calling the house all those times throughout those first three episodes was actually Henry calling to hear Flora answer the phone, hoping because he, he finds out Flora is his biological daughter. He wants to hear her voice but he's ashamed to say anything if anybody else answers the phone. So, and, and, and at the same time, like his doppelganger is there making fun of him with this shit eating grin. <laughs> and I, I just thought Henry Thomas did such a good job this episode. And I was really happy that they gave him this episode because he's kind of a non-character the entire series for five yeah. and a half episodes up until the, here. We meet him at the very beginning of episode one, and then he's a non-character until right now. Um, so yeah, I, I thought this was, uh, I thought this was a good episode. Uh, and I'm glad that Henry Thomas got got the focus here. Cause oh, he's, yeah. been, yeah. he's been doing so well in the, like the, the Flanagan resurgence of his career. <laughs> Yeah, no, he he had some he had some terrific moments this episode. We also get some great moments with Jamie. We get the uh, the Moonflower speech, which, uh, wow. like I said about Owen, that's really that's uh, that's Amelia Eve's Golden Globe Golden Globe clip moment. Right. This uh, fantastic monologue about a moonflower and how it only blooms once uh, when she's sitting in the woods with Victoria Pedretti, and um, we also. Uh, we we've seen in earlier episodes a uh, 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 different talisman that flora that flora leaves around. So we get uh, a flashback to actually they're not even flashbacks. We should mention that early in the episode when flora wakes up outside, uh, Jamie and Danny come to her, and all of a sudden one shot Rebecca Jessel pops up and gives boop one of these to flora's head. And all of a sudden she wakes up in her room and then she has a, she's, you find out that she's locked in a memory with Charlotte and Henry Wingrave, who, you know, she discovers the two of them together. And now you realize that not only are uh, Rebecca and Peter inhabiting the bodies of Miles and Flora, but they're actually, it's not like they're just in this blank space. They're actually getting tucked away into uh, you know, memories that are at the forefront of their minds. So, and there gets the uh, the faceless boy ghost gets some screen time in this. By the way, there's a scene where the faceless boy is in front of the, the dollhouse and it reminds me so much of the hereditary poster. Oh, that yes. dollhouse with the doors open and those little lights 
on, very much like hereditary uh, poster miniature vibes. Yeah, I know, brought up the, that. Um, I brought up the episode of Creep Show in our last uh, Lassercast uh, review of Bly Manor, and Hereditary really with the dollhouse with Tony Collette working on the miniatures and the way that this show also it takes you inside the dollhouse it's not just a toy it's it's a character in and of itself and yeah. each of the and how there's a figure for everybody there's a figure for every ghost um yeah. and like there's even parts where it's like the camera will linger on the lady of the lake clay figure that flora made and there's like a musical um interlude that goes up the free it's the who is it the newton brothers right do all of the music oh yeah the new yeah they're uh, they're flanagan regulars subtle and and brilliant as usual when it comes to flanagan's work and they're just like they'll, they'll hit these notes just looking at a, at a doll in a dollhouse and you'll just get a shiver up your spine like son of a bitch like, yeah there's yeah. A, there's a lot of great there's a lot of great moments in this episode between henry thomas uh, Alex Esso has some great moments when uh, when when Henry and Charlotte have to say goodbye for the good of hers and Dominic's marriage, uh, which ultimately leads to um, their death. You know when they when they go on a trip somewhere, and then this is also this episode basically ends with the first time Danny actually sees Rebecca Jessel and Peter Quint, and that's uh, and also the faceless boy. Uh, you know, so much less creepy this way. Uh, Flora puts a, a broken, cracked doll mask on his face. Um, you know, that really, uh, that really just, you know, I, we all felt a lot comfortable, a lot more comfortable after uh, after that. Yeah, that 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 like taking a good, a, a bad situation and somehow making it worse. Like, yeah. yeah um, exactly. What. What I what I love so much about the this show, and we were talking about this before, is the idea that, again, this is where you start, like that long storytelling again, where you know Henry is the one making the calls. These are things that paid off episodes ago. Uh, it, there's so many little examples of that, and as we go on, and we will talk about in our next episode, uh, the last three and, and the conclusion. So much of this show pays off later on and the closer you pay attention the better it gets uh and it's actually one of those series that i i do think gets better on the rewatch because you just start to notice so much more and you start to pick up on things that you might have missed you this is again it's nine episodes it's it's almost nine hours long you're gonna miss stuff no matter how close you pay attention and especially you know with the hidden ghosts and with so many characters, all of which get these amazing stories. You brought up the Moonflower. That story, man, uh, Amelia Eve, holy crap. Like, I, I love her character in this so much. And that, that's also really the, uh, the moment where you really realize that there's something more than just a fling going on between her and Danny, that this is, this is something like her character doesn't feel like somebody who lets people in very often. You yeah. know what I mean? Jamie, the character of Jamie, she's very rough around the edges. Uh, there's yeah. this amazing scene where Miles, who is uh, 
inhabited by Peter Quint. Uh, Jamie's up on a ladder and he messes with the ladder and she climbs down off that ladder and Miles is like a 10 year old kid and she basically threatens to kill him if he messes with her yeah. again. She, she, she says, I will fucking end you. Yeah. <laughs> she is so rough around the edges you could tell and then the moonflower story you know this is a woman who has had a rough life has been burned by people she has a great line where i i wrote it down uh you don't get to decide who lives and dies uh and this is a woman who she's a gardener by trade because she loves the simplicity of plants that they, they yeah. live, they thrive, they die. And then from, from the death of plant life, you get more life. And it's just like, yeah. for her, it's this simple, you know, life, you know, goes in, in, in continuous waves. And she doesn't yeah. ever try to get more out of it from people. Well, anyway, <laughs> that wraps things up with episodes four through six of Bly Manor. Stay tuned to the LasserCast YouTube channel. We will obviously be doing episodes 7, 8, and 9 to wrap up this deep dive discussion. So see you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Chris and Danny talk about Bly Manor. In the next episode, the two guys are going to finish it all off with episodes 7 through 9. So until then, the three of us will be looking at you through the other side of the Lasser Glass.